I'm Brian Nielsen with Caldwell County Ranch in Lockhart, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Always glad to be with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump in with me, buckle up, because we're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry here in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we check on the border once again. We stay in close contact with South Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez. His district has more of the Mexican border in it than any other congressional district. So we'll visit with him again today to see what kind of stories he's hearing from Texas farmers and ranchers in his district as they deal with this ongoing border crisis. That story's coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In agriculture, we often think in terms of some people raise crops, some people raise animals, but having an operation that blends those two things can provide several benefits. I'm James Hunt, and we'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Texas cotton ginners meet in Lubbock to discuss industry successes and continuing challenges during their annual meeting and trade show. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Tomatoes are a favorite in Texas gardens. Let's talk about growing tomatoes in Texas in the spring and summer. This is John Begno. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas farmers and ranchers continue to deal with problems caused by the flood of illegal immigrants crossing the border. Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez represents a district that includes a huge portion of the border, and he says he hears stories from farmers and ranchers in his district constantly. Uh, High-speed chases through their towns. You know, these once small, sleepy towns are now seeing high-speed chases several times a week. Uh, water lines that are getting cut, especially out in West Texas, where water is is uh, the most precious commodity. Water lines getting cut, uh, finding uh, migrants that have passed away on their property, uh, trash and debris. Gonzalez says the state's effort to pick up the slack of enforcing our border is helpful, but ultimately it's the federal government's responsibility. It's a frustrating thing uh, as a member of Congress. You know, my job is to represent my district. Uh, bring money back to the district, make sure there's good policy and, and and laws that get passed for the district. But what I really need is I need the administration to finally realize how bad it is on the border. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, these it's, it's chaos. People's lives are upside down. And it's not Republicans. It's not Democrats. It's everybody. Everybody's sucked up into it. South Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez. The latest round of bird flu has made it here to Texas. 
the first case of a highly contagious disease that can lead to the illness and death of poultry and fowl has been confirmed in Texas. The Texas Animal Health Commission announced over the weekend that highly pathogenic avian influenza has been found in a commercial pheasant flock in Erath County in North Texas. As a result of the detection, the premises where the flock was being raised has been quarantined and the flock has been depopulated. HPAI can infect chickens, turkeys, pheasants, ducks, geese, and guinea fowl. It is extremely infectious and is often fatal to chickens. To date, it has been found in commercial poultry, backyard fowl, and wild birds in 22 states. The Animal Health Commission reports that these cases do not present an immediate public health concern and that no human cases have been found in the U.S. Dr. Andy Schwartz, state veterinarian, said HPAI is a real threat to Texas poultry, and the best defense is for poultry owners to join together to prevent the spread of the disease by following strict biosecurity practices. A list of recommended practices and HPAI symptoms is available on the Animal Health Commission website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA announced that ranchers who have approved applications through the 2021 Livestock Forage Disaster Program for forage losses due to severe drought or wildfire in 2021 will soon be receiving emergency relief payments through the FSA's new Emergency Livestock Relief Program. The LFP provides up to 60% of the estimated replacement feed cost when an eligible drought adversely impacts grazing lands or 50% of the monthly feed cost for the number of days the producer is prohibited from grazing because of a qualifying wildfire. Some people raise crops and some people raise animals, but James Hunt tells us raising both can have its benefits. At some of the recent producer education meetings in the Texas High Plains, farmers have been given this message. If your operation doesn't currently involve animals, you might want to think about that. Dr. Tim Steffens, range management specialist with West Texas A&M University and Texas A&M AgriLife, gave me this take on livestock as part of regenerative agriculture. There have been people that have been doing no-till for a long time, and that is a form of management that can be considered regenerative. A lot of those guys have told me, you know, things got better for a while, and then it just sort of plateaued off and I said then when we started putting the livestock into it things started getting better again what they're doing they're closing their nutrient cycles they don't have to fertilize as much they don't have to worry about weed pressure as much because a lot of the things that were weeds now are just a forage resource and so they're cutting their costs they're getting more profit centers they have a more reliable and continuous cash flow and things are just getting better for them they get more good out of a rain they don't have to worry about their terraces washing out those kind of things and all that makes the place a little more resilient to drought they have an alternative way of harvesting a crop that before would be a failure Now it's just, well, we'll use the cattle to harvest it instead. Once again, that was Dr. Tim Steffens. If you have any questions about regenerative practices involving livestock, you can contact Dr. Steffens at West Texas A&M University. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas cotton genners gathered in Lubbock over the weekend for their annual meeting. Tom Nicoletti was there. The 2022 Texas Cotton Generators Association annual meeting and trade show in Lubbock for the first time in three years. Attendance at pre-COVID levels, so a lot of folks here attending and uh, one of those being 
the new president of the Cotton Ginners Association, Chris Berry. He is from Loveland and is with Long S. Gin. Chris, uh, looking forward to the next year. You folks have a lot of challenges. Before we get into those challenges, let's talk about some of the positives. That's certainly uh, cotton prices right now and the fact that there was a lot of cotton out there in the last growing season. Exactly. Some of our gins have seen record crops and prices have just been where they haven't been in recent years. So hopefully we will be able to cash in on all of these good prices and hopefully they will hold for the upcoming season. But challenges such as shortage in labor, uh, supply chain challenges, contamination at cotton gins. Uh, Let's talk about those. First, the labor issue. Labor is an issue across all ag fields. So that is something that we are trying to work through, find the best solution possible for our gins as well as the producers in our industry. Supply chain issues, we feel those woes across agriculture plus something that all of us see and feel every day. And contamination in our cotton is an ongoing issue and it just needs to be addressed from our farm hands all the way through our producers, our ginners, even into our warehouses and mills. Hopefully we all can work together and we can get that corrected and continue to produce some of the best cotton in the world. That is Chris Berry. He is president of the Texas Cotton Ginners Association. In Lubbock, I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Tomatoes are a favorite in Texas gardens. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno says it's time to get that spring tomato garden growing. Well, tomatoes are an important part of gardening in Texas and a real favorite. And making a tomato garden successful requires several things. First of all, full sun. You've got to have sunlight for growing tomatoes. We many times think that if we plant them in the shade, then what we're going to do is prolong the production of tomatoes by cooling it down. But in reality, we actually measure temperatures in the sun. So therefore, it's not going to be doing you any good at all to put them in the shade. Also, varieties. We get a little hung up on varieties sometimes. If you've been successful at a certain variety, then of course use it. If it's Celebrity or Carnival or BHN or whatever it is, then you go ahead with it and and you plant that. But don't be hesitant about starting new varieties. You know, down in San Antonio, Texas, for the rodeo, they do a rodeo trial or a tomato trial that they release, and there's been some great varieties like Red Snapper and Tycoon. And if you've never tried them and you can find them, then always try them. And then again, don't forget the small tomatoes, uh, Sweet 100s, some of those small fry hybrids. Those small cherry tomatoes can be very productive in Texas, so don't forget those. Tomatoes like well-drained soil. If you live in East Texas where it rains an awful lot, then you'll want to go ahead and use the raised bed method and get them up so they do drain. If you're out in West Texas and you have soil that stays, say, drained too much, you'll want to put some organic matter in it, something that compost or something like that that will help to hold the moisture because it's key that tomatoes be grown in soil that can be kept evenly moist, that doesn't fluctuate from being too dry to too wet, that it can be controlled. And again, fertilizer. Fertilizer is important to keeping tomatoes productive. Uh, They can use all their energy to produce the first cluster or two and run out of gas. So be sure that you have fertilizer around. And then on pests, there's a lot of good information on tomato pest control in Texas. You can go to Aggie Horticulture and get all that information on growing tomatoes successfully. This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. 
Texas deer hunters will soon have another option to prove the sex of the deer that they've backed. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And twins are common in a lot of species, but we do not want to see twins in horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to texasfarmbureau.org to learn more. That's texasfarmbureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We see twins in a lot of species. In fact, it can be common, but we do not want to see twins in horses. Dr. Bob Judd tells why. We are in the middle of equine breeding season at this time in the United States. Twins in horses are usually due to multiple ovulations in which the mare releases more than one ovum or egg from the ovaries. Dr. Mina Davies Morell from England indicates in the horse publication that although rare in many breeds, double ovulations can occur in at least 25% of estrus cycles in thoroughbreds and warm bloods. Many of these double ovulations occur at the same time, but some occur two to three days apart. And since equine sperm can survive for several days, a second pregnancy can develop and two embryos of different ages can occur. Pregnancy can be detected by ultrasound at 14 to 16 days in the mare, but if there's only one ultrasound exam, it is possible to miss a younger pregnancy and have twins undiagnosed. For this reason, it's always a good idea to have your vet ultrasound your mare again at 20 days post-ovulation or about a week later to make sure there is only one pregnancy. If two pregnancies are found, it is possible to eliminate one pregnancy and maintain the other pregnancy. But this is a time-sensitive procedure, and it must be done early before implantation of the embryo occurs in most cases. This procedure is much easier if the embryos are in different horns, and very difficult if the embryos are very close together. However, the embryos do move until they implant, so frequent ultrasound may be needed to find the time the embryos separate in the uterus. The study indicated over 25% of double ovulations occurred over 24 hours apart, and it was more common to have double ovulations early in the breeding season. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas deer hunters will soon have another option to prove what type of deer they've harvested. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. When white-tailed deer hunting season opens later this year, hunters will have another option to prove that the deer they've bagged is a buck. Under previous regulations, hunters were able to keep the head of a buck with antlers still attached to prove the sex of the deer. If the deer was antlerless, hunters would keep the head if it was a buck or a mammary organ and tail if it was female. Alan Kane, Whitetail Deer Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, explained the proposed change to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. 
staff are proposing to provide another option which includes the tail of that deer, the unskinned skull cap with antlers attached. And this additional proof of sex obviously would provide some CWD management options allowing hunters to leave the most infectious parts of the animal, i.e. the brain, the side of harvest. The tail is included to aid in species identification for law enforcement purposes. More than 330 people weighed in on that proposal with more than 75% supporting the change. Reasons for disagreement were don't require the tail as part of the proof of sex. I think folks just didn't understand the reasoning behind that. One person suggested we not require the skin to remain with the skull cap, and then somebody else suggested it won't work for trophy deer. But for trophy deer, obviously they can use the other option, which is to take the whole head as proof of sex. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission approved that proposed change to Texas hunting regulations for the upcoming season. Each year, new hunting regulations go into effect on September 1st. The Outdoor Annual Online and the app have not yet been updated with the new rules. We'll see that update later on in the year. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. I know it's starting to sound like a broken record, but it was another day of higher grain prices and lower cattle prices on Tuesday. We'll check all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex closing lower on Tuesday, pressured by a steady cash market and rising corn prices. April live cattle dropped $1.20 to finish at $136.80, June down $1.60, $133.32, while August live cattle dropped $1.55, $134.65. Same story in the feeder market. April feeder cattle down $2.25, $156.12, May feeders down 347 at 159 even. August feeder cattle down 272 at 171.37. Cash fed cattle market started early this week. We had sales on Monday and Tuesday in Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. The price steady money for the fourth week in a row at 138 on a live basis. Boxed beef took a big jump on Tuesday. Choice up 578. 273.82. Select was up 224 at 263.94. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, they've done shipped them out from the Saturday sale at Lexington Livestock Commission Company. Russell Heller, let's talk price and quality. How many noses did you count? Yes, sir. Sale was good. 669 total head with 70 cows. Let's walk the pens. All right. 
The thinner Packer cows, 35 to 60, and the better one, 61 to 95. On the steering bull calves, 3 to 400 pounds, 120 to 225. 4 to 5 weights, 115 to 210. 5 to 6 weights, 110 to 195. 6 to 7 weights, $1.5 to 167. 7 to 8 weights, $1 to 155. On the heifers, 3 to 400 pound heifers, 115 to 195. 4 to 5 weights, 110 to 185. 5 to 6 weights, $1.5 to 165. 6 to 7 weights, $1 to 150. 7 to 8 weight heifers, 95 to 135. So you had 6 679 head? 669, yes, sir. 669. How many of them were cows? 70. What was the uh, the trend versus last week? Uh, we had some really good condition calves, and uh, those four and five weight steering heifers were awful high, and even the six weight calves were good, too. People were buying to put out on, hopefully they'll have some summer grass, and those cattle are high. Have you had any moisture since you and I spoke last? No, sir, nothing yet. All right, what's your forecast? Uh, they're talking for rain late this afternoon and tonight, so I hope we'll get some out of it. Well, good. What do you think about numbers for this next Saturday? Day, Russell. Yes, sir. This next week, one man's going to have 10 pair. They're kind of five-year-old to short and solid mouth crossbred cows. And I know one guy, he's going to have 30 wean calves. And I know he's going to have about 50 good Charlay calves. Good deal. That'll be with Russell Heller and crew at Lexington Livestock. I guess that'll be on the 9th. That's a Saturday. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yes, sir. You can get me on my cell. And that number is 979-820-7002. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble here in Central Texas reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a drop on Tuesday. April hogs down a dollar seventy-seven, ninety-seven sixty-seven. May hogs dropped a dollar fifty-five, one hundred seven seventy-five. Class three milk was higher. April milk up eighteen cents, twenty-three seventy-three a hundred weight. May milk up thirty-four at twenty-four thirty-three a hundred. The cotton market saw a mixed trade, the old crop lower, the new crop higher. New crop getting support from the increase in input costs as well as the drought here in Texas. But the old crop finished lower, May down 41 points, 137.53, while October was up 185, 121.63. December cotton up 106 at 114.82. The corn market seeing another jump in price today. China in the market for more U.S. corn possibly. We had a report on Monday that they had bought 1 million metric tons. Rumors out on Tuesday that they may be in the market for another 2 million metric tons. May corn up 9 and a quarter, 7.59 and 3 quarters. September corn up 6, 7.17 and a half. The wheat market getting a boost from a drop in crop ratings. USDA's latest crop progress and condition report showing very poor crop ratings all across the country and especially here in Texas with over 80% of our wheat crop rated poor to very poor. July Kansas City wheat up 45 cents, 1084 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 35 and a half at 1045 and a half. In the energy markets, May natural gas was up 31 cents at 602. May crude oil down a dollar 49, 101.79 a barrel. The financial markets lower on Tuesday afternoon, the Dow down 314 points, 34,607. The Nasdaq down 348 at 14,184, the S&P down 63 at 4,519. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.